Good morning. It's good to see all of you here today. Today we kick off a new series on the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to look at the label of Father this morning. It fits very well with Father's Day. And also fits very well in what we're going over the next uh, few months this summer. Um, by the way, all, to all your dads, happy Father's Day. Pray that God blesses you today and that your children rise up and, and, and uh, do some things for you today that make you feel special. When you hear the word Father, when you hear the label Father, what comes to your mind? What thoughts come you know, percolating in there? I think for some of us, when we hear the word father, we have really good memories of, of dad or a good relationship with dad at the present. And so your, your thoughts are fondness and love and support and uh, sacrifice. For some, you may not have that great of a father figure in your life. And so when the word father comes up or Father's Day is mentioned, you might feel a little bit of pain or emptiness or what could have been. I think for some, the reality is no thoughts because your experience has been that of an absent father. So you really just don't have any perspective on this day. Now here's why this matters. The Lord's Prayer begins with what? The label of God as a father. And what we tend to do is take our earthly understanding of things and transpose them right on to our view of heavenly things. And so as the Lord's Prayer begins with our father, you can be kind of depending on your relationship with your dad, starting at a disadvantage or an advantage. And so this morning, what I want to do with you for a few moments is talk on the label of father and how important it is that we have a biblical understanding of what that means. I'm going to kind of facilitate this endeavor by going to a real well-known parable uh, that Jesus told. A parable I'm sure that most of us, if you've been around church for a while, no, to some degree. It's the parable of the lost son. Now, if you've been in church for a while, you might call it the parable of the prodigal son. My hope is that by use of this parable, that at day's end, you're going to have a different understanding of the word father, and biblically, you're going to get to a point of going, ah, when you begin this Lord's Prayer, our father, you're going to have some thoughts come to your mind that, uh, uh, what that label means. Now, let me begin by defining the word prodigal, because we're going to look at this, this well-known parable that's often called the prodigal son, and we're going to define the word prodigal. Prodigal, first of all, means recklessly extravagant, one who spends everything. Now, in this parable, the younger son is known as the prodigal son, because he recklessly spent all the fortune he inherited from his dad on wild living and all that kind of thing. But get this, I don't think it's that big a deal to be recklessly spending other people's money. What do you think? Our government does it all the time, right? They spend other people's money. The, the, the younger son here recklessly spent his father's money. But the one who's really prodigal in this parable is the father. He's the one that gave up part of his livelihood. He's the one that sacrificed and gave his money away so that this wayward son could spend it. So when you look at the father in the story, he's really the one that's the extravagant spender. Now, in this parable of the lost son, there are really three stories transpiring. There's three parts of the story. Uh, act one, narrative one, whatever you want to use for language there, is the story of the younger son. He comes to the father, and he asks for his inheritance now before the father is dead. That is really not cool. He's basically saying to 
his dad, I want you for your money, but I really don't want a relationship with you at all. I mean, that was an audacious, rejection-oriented kind of ask. He is lost to his father. He is disconnected from his father. He's rejecting his father. And you just kind of wag your head and go, oh, man, that's not a good thing. That's not, just not cool to ask for that. Then you have what I call Act 2, uh, second half of the story. That's the story of the older son. He's the boy that hangs around and he dutifully does what his father says, but his heart's revealed in this parable as being full of resentment and bitterness towards his dad. He's disenfranchised, so to speak. He's outwardly doing the right things, but inwardly the boy's far gone. And this is seen when the wayward son returns home and dad throws him a party. All this junk bubbles out of this guy's mouth that you go, ooh, to use an old Norwegian term, Oofda, it just isn't good stuff as he kind of slams his dad with resentful statements. Then you have the story within the story. You could call it the interlude. It's the story of the father. That's what we're going to zoom in on this morning. It's a wonderful revelation of who God is because the father in this parable represents God. And you learn a lot about the label father from the story. And that's where we're going to go this morning. We're going to go to the interlude, the story within the story. So here we go. We're going to read the parable from Luke chapter 15. It's verses 11 through 32. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. I always say this, a little time in the mud is good for you. Amen? And, and, and this boy needed a little time in the mud uh, to, to get him to see life as it ought to be seen. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him, and he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fat calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the oldest son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, What's going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you 
never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Kind of whining here, isn't he? Kind of feeling sorry for himself. He did the outward things right, but his heart, you could see there's, there's a heart problem going on with his elder son. Getting back to the parable. But when this son of yours has squandered your property with prostitute comes home, you kill the fat calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So here we have this parable told by Jesus. Three stories. Younger son, older son, father story. We're going to zoom in on the father story this Father's Day. And here, I want to begin by looking at the younger son, and we're going to talk in the perspective of the father's experience. The father experienced rejection by the younger son. He experienced rejection by the younger son. Um, The younger son was not evidently interested in relationship with his father. He was interested in what the father could do for him so that he could have a good life. So act one of 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 this parable of the lost son is the rejection by the younger son of relationship to his father. He was disconnected to his father. He's literally asked his father, tear your life apart for me. Take away some of your ability to make livelihood so that I can experience what I want to experience now. I don't know how you uh, deal with rejection, but man, alive, I, I don't like it when people use me. I don't like that. I, I don't like being taken advantage of. Anybody related to me on that? That bothers me a lot. And I can only imagine the pain that this father felt when his own son rejected him and just wanted to use him. Talk about pain. And you know, you got to remember in the story that the father represents God. And God has felt the pain of your and my rejection of him. That's part of the point of the parable, is that we see ourselves in this parable to some degree. And the younger son illustrates the human condition after the fall of man. All have rejected our Heavenly Father. All have rejected our Heavenly Father. And that's a painful thing. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 53, verse 6, the beginning part of verse 6, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. I've learned one thing here for sure when it comes to the sheep analogy that's used so frequently in the Bible. It's never a good thing to be compared to a sheep. Hardly ever. Other than when he says, my sheep hear my voice. Okay, so there are some exceptions. But usually the sheep analogy, not a good thing. Years ago when I lived in Brookings, uh, South Dakota, before I moved to Willis and then back to Brookings, we lived out in the country. And we had this great idea. We should buy some sheep. They can mow the yard for free. That's fantasy thinking. Buy a lawnmower, amen. It's cheaper, it's easier. Trust me, it's just a lot easier. And so we get these sheep. And right away, my two oldest girls kind of adopted this one lamb as their little pet. Another mistake. Never adopt a farm animal as a pet. Right away, this little pet lamb, which they would let roam around the yard, went underneath our rabbit hutches there. We had hutches with, like, screen bottoms so everything could fall out, you know. Went under the rabbit hutch, and and this little lamb ate the rabbit food that had spilled over from the dish and also the rabbit droppings. 
Well, that got that lamb very sick very fast. It got really distressed. I didn't know what to do, so I called up a vet. And the vet was kind of a friend of a friend, and he came over, and it was late at night, and I still remember looking at that lamb with this vet. And he turned to me, he was dead serious. He said, Steve, you've got to know something about sheep that you don't know yet. They're either dead or alive. There's no in-between state with sheep. And he looked at me and said, this one's dead. I said, oh, no, really? And yep, by the next morning, there was a dead lamb I was burying in the backfield. And I remember feeling terrible because I let that sheep go astray. I let that lamb, I didn't, I didn't know any better. I just thought it was like a pet. And I thought, well, we have four acres of green grass. Surely it will eat the right thing. But no, all have gone astray. All like sheep, right? Have gone astray. Left to its own devices, that little lamb went to its own destruction. And when I read the scripture like Isaiah 53, 6, I think we all like sheep. Yep, we all have gone astray, left to our own devices. We just go to destructive places so readily and so easily. That's what this young son did in this parable. He just went down a path that was going to lead to his destruction. His father knew it. It had to be breaking his father's heart. But what we see in this parable is an amazing response by the father. He doesn't lecture the son. He doesn't get mad at the son. He doesn't get upset by the son's wayward actions. He has this amazingly controlled response and gives the son the money. And you just go, wow, what's up with that, right? How do you respond, parents, when your kids disrespect you? When they reject you? Do you have this really gentle response and demeanor? <clears throat> it's hard to get rejected. Usually you get angry. And you say, who are you, you little snot? You know, you don't even know what's going on yet in life. And you begin to lecture them. And you need to respect me. You need to understand who I am. And that, that's a typical response to rejection. If you don't do that, another response is to do this, do this to protect yourself and not have that person ever hurt you again. And to kind of close off in relationships so, so it becomes more philosophical that father seemed to do none of this. There was this openness and vulnerability as he gave away, literally, his livelihood to this wayward son. Is that beginning to tell you something about God our Father that maybe you didn't know before? Because that's the point of the parable. The father represents God in here. It's a label of father changing just a little bit for you because we see a father here who's willing to spend everything he had on this wayward son. Now let's go to act two of the parable, the story of the older son. The father experienced the resentment of the elder son. This is seen in his response to the giving of a party for the wayward son when he returns. He's full of bitterness and he says he's biting words. Um, he's thinking, I've slaved for you, Dad. I've put up with you, Dad. You're a pain, Dad. And I've done everything I'm supposed to do for you. Give me something in return. That's classic religion. Religion says I do something and God owes me. And if God doesn't do what I think he should do for me, then I get resentful and I get upset and I get disenfranchised and I, I, I think God is somehow letting me down. Here's supposedly the good boy doing the right things. 
but he speaks words of biting resentment, revealing his heart is far from his father. And he, like the younger son, is looking at the father, not in relational terms, but what do I get out of you? What are you going to do for me? Religion looks at God as, what are you going to give me? What are you going to do for me? It doesn't look at God in relational terms. The elder son illustrates that good deeds must flow from a desire to please God. They have to flow from a desire to please God, not to appease God. We don't do things at a duty so that God's obligated to us. We do things because we love God and our relationship with him. We do things to please God, not to appease God. 1 Corinthians 10 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That needs to become our attitude or we can fall into this thing called religion and the traps of being a religious person but not a person in relationship with God the Father. So those are the two narratives so far in this parable. Let me get to the story within the story, the interlude, the father's response now. Let's just talk directly on the father's response and the father's story in this parable. The father in this parable demonstrated no retaliation, and that just mystifies me. He demonstrated no retaliation whatsoever. Such an outrageous request by the younger son would normally have been met in that culture by expulsion from the family. You want your inheritance now? No way. You're gone. You're out of here. He insulted the patriarch of that culture, and that just wasn't tolerated. All those listening to this parable must have got the tension of that ask. They must have thought, wow, that's audacious and that's wrong. Ever been around relational tension when two people are kind of like, and you're going, I think I just want to excuse myself now. This is getting a little tense. That had to be happening as Jesus told this parable. And as ridiculous as the young son's request was, the father says yes. That had to just kind of set everybody listening back on their heels. That, that wouldn't have been the normal response. The father was willing to spend everything on this wayward son. And if you listen closely then also to the story of the elder son, it's basically the same story. Instead of this in-your-face kind of aggressive rejection, there's this passivity, there's, there's this kind of passive aggression that's taking place. Well, I'll do what you want to do, but ultimately I still want to get what I want to get. And there's a resentment residing in him and the father just turns to him and gently says, all I have is yours. Get my heart. I love this young boy that's returned. I want you just to young, love this young boy that's returned too with me. Get my heart. All I have is yours. In both cases, what we see here is a father who will spend extravagantly. Amen? He's prodigal. He's outrageous. He lavishes love on these sons. So this is the father's heart revealed. The father who represented God in this parable was willing to spend everything on his sons. So, what's your God picture? I'm going to ask you right now. When I use the label, Father, what's the picture coming to your mind? Is extravagant spender in there now? It should be. Do you see God, the Father, as presented in this parable? That's the point of it. Do you see him as a father who would recklessly spend everything to be in relationship with you? He did. He sent his only son. He sent his begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. He spent everything on us. Amen? He's extravagant. He's crazy. He's ridiculous when you think about it in his spending. And we're supposed to see him as this one who lavishes love on us, 
who's extravagantly willing to spend on us. When Jesus told this parable, he was rocking the world of two crowds that were present during the parable, uh, you know, telling. They were the Pharisees and teachers of the law. They were the religious folks. I do this stuff and God, you owe me. He smacked right into their viewpoint of God, didn't he? He smacked right into it in the case of the elder son. And then there was this other group that were listening that probably were far from God, thinking, I don't have a chance to be in relationship with, the, with God. I'm not good. I'm not right. I don't do the right kinds of things. I don't have the right heritage or whatever. And he says, you have a father who loves you so much that he'll spend everything on you. God is prodigal in this story. It's seen by other famous verses of the Bible that God is prodigal. If you go to John 3.16, for God so loved the world that what? He gave. He ridiculously gave. Extravagantly gave. Lavishly gave. His one and only begotten Son that whoever believeth him should not perish but have everlasting life. God's the biggest spender of all eternity. Are you getting this? Is that entering into your God picture now? That's my intention. Maybe you've looked at God as holy and just and perfect and all-knowing and all-powerful and all-present and loving. His mercies are new every morning, right? And those attributes definitely describe God. Has the thought that God is prodigal, a reckless spender, ever been in that thought process when it comes to God? I hope so. I hope it is now. All throughout his interaction, the father in this parable demonstrates this extravagant spending nature of the father. And of course, the father represents God. Think about it. The wayward son returns home. He's blown everything. He's wasted all of his father's money. And the father, I think, was gazing, was longing for this guy to return. He's looking over the horizon each day. He's he's saying, is my son going to return? Is my son going to come back? If you've ever had a wayward kid, if you've ever experienced that way, you understand that longing for that kid to return. And he sees his son returning, and he does something no patriarch, no dignified Jew would ever do in that culture. He picks his robe up tucks it into his belt, I'm sure, and he runs to his son. He bares his legs, and he runs to his son. I don't know about you, but men's legs never are a good picture. And he gets undignified, and he runs to his son. That's just an extravagant guy. The father ran to meet his wayward son, illustrating the heart of God towards those who come to him from a wayward life. And he's filled with compassion. He hugs him and he kisses on him. He's loving on him. And the kid hasn't done anything yet. And and before he can even get out his words, his little rehearsed apologies, little rehearsed ask forgiveness. And this is point two if you're taking notes. The father poured his love on the son before he had a chance to ask for forgiveness. This demonstrates God's love for you. It's just so unconditional. It's so unconditional. And, and as I thought about these first two kind of acts by the father towards his wayward son, I, I just realized God is on the lookout. He's just so on the lookout for the heart that turns to him. Is this your picture of God? When we pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Does that label Father bring this imagery to your mind? It should. It's supposed to. 
And the father gave this wayward son some gifts that represent what it means to be in him. And that translates right over to what it means for us to be in God. But the father gave his repentant son his identity. He put his robe around him. In that culture, when you gave somebody your robe, you're giving them your identity. So he gives his wayward son his identity back. He gives him his ring, right? And that ring represented authority in that culture. It represented that you were under somebody. You had the authority of that family. And then the sandals were protection, So the father gave his son identity, authority, and protection by the acts of those gifts that he gave to him. Now listen to this. This is important. God the Father gives these same things to you and I as followers. Uh, When we come to him with a repentant heart through faith in Jesus Christ, he gives us a robe of righteousness, we're told. When we take on Jesus by faith and receive him by faith and become a child of God, then, then we're told now that our sinfulness is replaced by the righteousness of Jesus Christ and we are covered with the robe of righteousness. We now have identity with God. And as a child of God, we have a ring on our finger. We have the authority of being the child of God. And not only that, we have the protection of God in our lives. We're protected from judgment. We don't going to go to judgment. We're not going to go to hell because of what Christ has done for us. He gives us identity. He gives us authority. And he gives us protection. And the Father is just so blasted happy. He is so happy this wayward son is back. He throws a big party to celebrate. So here you have this wayward son spending everything. He's extravagant, and he comes back, and what does the father do? Spends more on him. He is so happy that he's returned. And the elder son doesn't have the same fondness of the, of the younger brother of his, and he says some things that are pretty nasty. He's a downer. And the father says to his older son, listen, everything I have is yours extravagant, isn't he? Isn't God extravagant? See, the elder son, he promised, all I have is yours. I don't know about you, but both of these young boys, or both of these boys in this parable, as a father, I think I would have been tempted to say, you need a little time out there, just figure your life out. Just go out there and get knocked around a bit. Then come back and talk to me. But this guy is incredibly patient with these boys who are, you know, pushing towards him rejection and resentment. So here's our conclusion today. It's super simple. God wants to connect with you. Do you get that? God wants to connect with you, and he's willing to go to great lengths to be in relationship with you. That's what the parable says. So when you have the label, our Father, what should pop into your mind is not only that God is holy and righteous and perfect and compassionate and loving, and his mercies are new every morning. He's all-knowing, all-present, you know, all-powerful. Those are great attributes, but what should make the list is something else. This is a crazy, ridiculous, extravagant spender on me. And he will go to great lengths to be at relationship with me to the point of sending his only begotten son to die in my place on the cross. That needs to enter into the picture of God, the label of Father. And in this particular parable, we see that to the irreligious, the ones who are wayward and far gone, God longs for, runs to, and embraces, says, welcome to my kingdom. To the ones who think, I can be okay by being religious, by doing all these things, and then God owes me, he says, you need to give my heart. You need to see my heart. 
I love these wayward people. It's not about what you do. My love's unconditional. You need to see my heart. And in this parable, I pray the label of father takes on new meaning for you. I've looked at this so many times, but I've never looked at it in the context of the Lord's Prayer. And I thought, that's what this is about. If I know Father from the prodigal story, then when I pray the Lord's Prayer and I go, Our Father, I begin to have all this imagery come to my mind. Now, the Lord's Prayer is used in a couple ways for liturgy and as a model. And they, uh, honestly, there's a lot of argument about which way it should be used. And I, you know what I say? Yep. It's used both ways as liturgy and a model. No matter which way you're using it, I pray that when you say our Father, that extravagant spender, lavish lover makes the list of attributes of God that come to your mind. I pray that would be the case from now on. 